Hello friends, I'm Jacques Howard here. I'm the creator and host of the Trenton 365 show, but I'm expanding my horizons and I'm here representing Fully Baked Radio and I'm with a Cannabis. Uh, we're gonna come up with the proper name for you, but I'm here with Leo Bridgewater. And uh, I wanna give a, a public shout out to you and to Phil and to a bunch of others, mm. the folks from Woflow, et cetera, who are helping to educate me in this whole idea of the cannabis marketplace. And my whole focus is how do we take this information, compile it, and distribute it to the general public more through some of my networks. So thank you for a couple of minutes of your time. Oh no, it's my honor. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me and thank you for your service. Absolutely. As a citizen of the city of Trenton, I appreciate this. We need this. Excellent. Long Thank time you. coming. Thank you. And folks, I do want to make everyone know that we are coming to you from Mercer County Community College's James Kearney campus in the downtown area of Trenton, New Jersey. So, Leo, let's get right into um, mm -hmm. some of the details, because uh, prior to the recording, we were talking about your family's history mm. and the Bridgewater name. So mm -hmm. can you tie a little bit of that together? Sure. My name is Leo Bridgewater. I'm uh, born and raised right here in Trenton, New Jersey. My my family, my father's folks are from uh, Evans Avenue, prior to that, Prospect Village. Mm -hmm. And so my father and my uncles and my grandfather, Leo Bridgewater, uh, he they were known for playing baseball. All really good baseball players. <laughs> Them, not me. You know, I did play for North Trenton Little League. We won the championship with C.A. Rawls, you know, but I, that was not me. That was... Uh, 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 Dion Haynes, Eric Lampkin, Robert Tyson, you know, guys like that that I play, you know, play ball with. But mm -hmm. it skipped me. That, skip that generation. Yes, it skipped me. <laughs> I was I played for Trent High, but I didn't actually play. I just sat on the bench with Mr. Lombardo and just ate the sunflower seeds and, <laughs> and <laughs> get in the game. <laughs> and it wasn't easy because my last name is Bridgewater. So people be like, oh, Bridgewater? Oh, he's good. He's good. He automatic. Not you. That was not automatic. You know, you were talking earlier about um, how your last name in a city like Trenton mm -hmm. precedes you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were talking about your grandparents mm -hmm. and uh, your uncle, Dennis, who I know from mm -hmm. playing ball with, mm -hmm. et cetera. Can you just talk about that whole culture? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up, I come from the era where you could get, if you did something wrong, you could get a beating from your neighbor, from the older neighbor. And then if you got a spanking from the older neighbor and then they sent you home, by the time you got home, that neighbor made a phone call to your mom mm -hmm. and then you got another beating when you got home. So that whole a village raising a child takes a village to raise a child. I'm from that era. And so <clears throat> when you have parents who are pretty well known, you know, and, you're, and they hear the last name, you know, you... you you're not going to mess up because it can come back <laughs> on you in a way that you don't want it to. Bridgewater, who's your father? What's your father's name? Kenny, I know who your mama is. Mm -hmm. I know who your grandmother is. And that's like, no. So you don't want that phone call, you know, from, from Nana talking about Miss Harrison says she saw you out in the street doing such and such and such, you know, because Miss Harrison knew who my last name was. See mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, no. I'm going to be tying this interview around and pulling it all together when we get to the final point. But I think that is also what has manifested to how you feel about the cannabis industry mm -hmm. right now. Can you talk about that? Well, the thing is, is that we're at a, we're as of today, we're walking in pretty historical times right now. And what's interesting is that, you know, um, most people in this country don't know that during the revolutionary times, if that, if the actions in Trenton didn't happen, 
there would not be a United States. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't know that when George Washington was crossing the Delaware, he hopped his behind up out and came here to fight. And people don't realize the significance behind what happened here, like the significance of this city, period. And no Trenton, no United States. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that 25% of Washington's army was African American. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually walked the actual path from downtown Trenton all the way to the battlefield of Princeton a couple of years ago to commemorate that movement that General Washington made. And there's the, the actual path is outlined by obelisks throughout the city mm -hmm. that mark that path. So we followed that path all the way out to the battlefield of Princeton. And while on that path, I got to thinking about the city as a whole and the significance of the city to American history. And is the city at right now reflective of that? And it's not in terms of reflective of the historical proudness that the city has a birthright. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at the cannabis industry, you know, the, this, is the, this is the birth canal, you know, of the cannabis industry in the state of New Jersey. So, you know, New Jersey is projected to be a $1.6 billion to $2.2 billion a year industry by 2022, 2021, something like that. Um, when we fall for adult use, which a lot of people call recreational, um, New Jersey starts off number two behind Colorado, right off the bat. I mean, behind California. So we skip over Colorado. We skip over Oregon. We skip over Washington, Michigan. We go straight to number two. And so there's a multi-billion dollar a year industry being birthed within a 7.2 square mile radius and majority of the people within that 7.2 square miles have absolutely no idea this is going down. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about this region, uh, most folks don't realize that Mercer County, New Jersey is one of the wealthiest counties in the country. Mm -hmm. New Jersey is one of the wealthiest states mm -hmm in the country, as well as the most culturally diverse, and ethnically yeah. diverse. So it behooves us that if there's going to be a place where a revolution of sorts would take place, like the like the Revolutionary War, mm -hmm. that it would happen here. Like this would be the Mecca for that to take place. It's it's most people don't understand like when the when General Washington back then he was General Washington, when General Washington um, made that attack on Trenton, most people don't realize that was such a ballsy move. Because he did that on Christmas Eve. Matter of fact, the guy, the garrison commander for Trenton at that time, when Washington and them hit, he was at a Christmas party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was at a Christmas party when all hell broke loose. You know, because back then, Washington and them, they were known as raiders. They hit and they run. They never held a position for more than just a day or two. Now, interestingly enough, one of the biggest concerns on General Washington's mind with his army here in Trenton was the number of tyrants in the city. <laughs> <laughs> that was a consideration of his because Trenton was known for its tyrants. This is, most people don't know, this was one of the last stops uh, for King George's money before it went across the pond. Mm -hmm. So when Trenton fell, could you imagine being the Secretary of War having to explain to King George, uh, uh, yeah. uh your, your Majesty, uh, <laughs> 
we lost Trenton. And Trenton? you know, and you see Jordan. What you mean you lost Trenton? Where my money? <laughs> Where my money? <laughs> like it like the ripple effect, the ripple effects from that action in Trenton was mighty. You know, so there's a very real and documented history of some very poignant things happening in this country. And we have an opportunity to have that same sort of effect, but this time more so on a on a uh, 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 industrial size, you know, with the birth of a new industry. <laughs> so this first segment, folks, I encourage you all, do some homework, do some mm-hmm. research, look up the city of Trenton historically. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing that, I encourage you to go to the Wikipedia page and go to the end of that page and see all the famous people who were born in mm-hmm. the city of Trenton. Mm-hmm. So Leo, let's let's transition and talk a bit about cannabis, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, you're rapidly rising to the top ranks nationally, mm-hmm. if not beyond that, mm-hmm. as a black or African-American man mm-hmm. involved in this industry. Um, let's talk a bit about your military background and mm-hmm. what got you on, on this path of cannabis. Okay, so I um, entered in the military in response to the September 11th attacks. Um, my job was to uh, provide communications uh, with via satellite or microwave. You know, so I'm a telecommunications specialist by trade. Mm-hmm. I worked for, I was on a comms package for uh, flag officers like Dave Petraeus, who was who would later become director of the CIA, and also um, Admiral Mike Mullins, who would later become chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I didn't know that they would become who they became, but I'm not surprised. That being said, working under these men and watching them make the types of decisions that they had to make when you're talking about rebuilding a country, I learned that it's much easier to bring down a country than it is to actually run one. And when you are in a leadership position, your decision-making becomes different real quick. And so I learned that I didn't want to be a general because the things that you have to think about, because you're talking about people's lives, you know, and, and, and it's a lot of life or death types of situations. And so um, being a telecommunications specialist, my ability to effectively communicate was paramount in terms of my craft because in certain situations you may only have one chance to get the message out. Mm-hmm. So you have to speak clearly. Your diction has to be on point. You know, I have to, for all intents and purposes, speak so well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, oh, wow, you, know, you speak so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but that was the way, that's how it worked for me. And so um, having done multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan as a soldier and a contractor, because when I left the military, I actually started working as a private contractor for the Department of Defense. So I worked at the Pentagon for a number of years. I was on the IMSEN contract. I worked with L3 Communications, ITT Systems, Excellus. Um, I worked for a lot of these companies um, running some pretty wild missions. You know, I was in charge of the um, of the uh, SIMS network, which is the Central Iraq Microwave System. Mm-hmm. So it, anytime these people were talking, and so you could imagine 
the kinds of conversations that I had to watch these men, you know, and then, you know, having to take part in these conversations mm -hmm. because since my job was to be in the room, I might as well part, you know, my, my, I remember my CEO, my, my platoon sergeant told me, well, my section sergeant said, well, 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 dad, Leo, dad bridge, if you're going to be in the room, you might as well give the J6 report here. Nobody wants to give that report, you know, mm -hmm. nobody wants to actually be sitting at the table. And so I actually would have to sit at the table because I was the one who had to give the J6 report. So I had to learn early on, you know, when you're talking to these flag officers, when you're briefing them, don't tell them yes when you know the answer is no. Mm -hmm. You know, don't tell hurry up and give them the answer because, you know, the boss needs to know what you know so he can hurry up and make an informed decision. And so these briefings were a lot of times absent of emotions. It's just to get the information out. Fast forward to here, you know, I'm out of the military, you know, I come back to Trenton, you know, and there's a lot of things that I see that look familiar to me. You know, I see a lot of the, you know, because I was there to watch the Iraqi people vote for the first time. I was there to see the transitional National Assembly take their seats for the first time. I got to see democracy happen in the Middle East front row with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. And then I come back here and I see a lot of things that seem somewhat familiar in terms of I know what to do. I've seen this. Um, and when I look at the cannabis industry, as a veteran, we're at 22 veteran suicides a day as a country. You know, we, we, we experience 22 veteran suicides a day. And I, I want to stop you for that, mm -hmm. for that because I think that people need to take a moment and let that sink in. We talk about veterans and doing things for veterans, mm -hmm. and you're saying we have 22 a day Correct. taking their own lives. Mm -hmm. Five a week in New Jersey. Five veterans a week are killing themselves in the state of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And that number is real. That's a very real number. Um, I've actually talked one of my battle buddies down off the ledge. You know, um, it's it's something that is most people and what, when, when most people hear that, they go, you know, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, we actually have more Vietnam veterans who came home and committed suicide than actually died in the war. And we passed that number. We're talking 58,000 over 58,000. And we passed that number years ago. There are and there's 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 there are children here. There are people now who are you know, uh, 19 and 18 and 19 years old who have never known the world not at war, never known the country not at war. Mm. You know, we've become desensitized to it because we like the, the, the see the soldier at the football games and then they, they trick the family and then, ah, and then people, oh, it's such a moment. Da, 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 da. You don't realize where that, that soldier just came back from war. That, or what the soldier's going to do. The next day, Correct. when all that fanfare is Correct. not there. Yeah, because we're America's attack dolls that you left in the backyard. You know, you have, you know, as a United States citizen, you have the greatest military in the history of the planet. That is a fact. Now, what does that mean for your veteran population as a citizen? As a citizen, that means that your veterans, for a period of time, all of them, lived in an environment that fostered success. It was geared to foster some sort of success. Now, as soldiers, you know, we all know success. We all know how to obtain success one way, 
together. We've always done it together. It's always about the man next to you. You know, I'm going to get you home. You're going to get me home because I got people waiting on me. You know, and so when you think about, you know, from a monetary standpoint, you taxpaying citizen paid about six to eight million dollars to train me to be able to do all that stuff with the communications and all that other stuff. And so my involvement in the cannabis industry and the things that I'm doing as a taxpaying citizen, what I am offering you is I'm offering you a much better rate on return on investment than suicide by doing what I'm doing. Mm. And that's the way we have to start. That's one of the ways that we should, one of the variables in which we should start approaching this, the, this, this industry and also how to effectively uh, affect the opioid abuse and addiction epidemic. Because for us veterans, the VA now, they, they, they mail that stuff to us now. Mm. They mail them pills. It's bad. We're at 77,000 overdoses a day in the country. You know, it's, 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 it's really, really bad. And so, you know, we know that states that have comprehensive medical marijuana programs, they're seeing a upwards of a 25% reduction in the number of opioid abuse and addiction incidences, not to mention a reduction in the number of scripts being written by doctors for these pills. Mm-hmm. So this snowball effect is is mighty because now when you look at it from that point, you're messing with the bottom line mm-hmm. of three industries or three types of money. Old money. We're messing with the pharmaceutical company because they've, they've been here for generations. We're also messing with long money. Because the alcohol industry, you know, a lot of people are choosing cannabis over alcohol, which is not a good thing for them. And then we're also messing with big money because the prison industrial complex has been thriving in this state, evidenced by the ACLU's arrest report Mm -hmm. on what's going on here in New Jersey. Because just for cannabis, you know, the state is averaging somewhere between 25 and 32,000 arrests a year. And 80% of those arrests are people who like me and you for low-level, nonviolent possession of cannabis. So there's a this was like cannabis is a tool by which the police like that by which the utopia that a lot of people in the state are trying to protect that that utopia has been our disturbia, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so people are fighting for that. So when we look at it that way, the economics of it, the cultural mm-hmm. value, et cetera, mm-hmm. do you think that is directly why things are moving so slow here in the Garden State? Education okay. is the reason why things are moving very slow. Um, one of the things that we as a country uh, did, or and as an industry, as a cannabis industry, where we messed up at is we didn't educate first we've, before we rolled out the industry. We rolled the industry out and then and then tried to, because when you look at this industry, it hasn't been kind to black and brown people and women, even though this industry was built on our backs. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it from the legitimate standpoint, we represent less than 1% of ownership in this industry. Majority of the C-suite positions in this industry are occupied by middle-aged to older white men. And so... We know that in this state, if you were somebody who got locked up for moving just a little bit of weight, 
you're going to stay in jail. But if you're someone who's not from this neighborhood and who's not this color, will be able to come into this neighborhood and move a whole lot of weight, and then you're going to keep me locked out. <laughs> so our ability to access capital and everything, what we're talking about is there's three types of economic levels you should be looking at cannabis legalization, particularly when it comes to people of color, black men and women in this game. We should be looking at it from a micro, a miso, and a macro level. Now, the last time, every other time instance where I can think of that black people have been in this kind of position is real estate. Well, we messed up, we messed up with that because they redlined everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dot com. Well, we messed up with that because ain't nobody on no computer. Hair industry. And we still messing up with that because we keep giving our money away. This one was built on our backs in our lifetime. You know, and when you look at other when you look at other cultural groups like, you know, um, Italians, Irish, you know, they got their economic stimulus package because they were given the police department. They were given the fire department, mm -hmm. you know. But what we were left with was the deindustrialization of the African-American community when they took all the trades out of the high schools, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then you look at we were left with the black market type of stuff, cannabis. We ran this on top of the numbers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So now you have the, you know, the ghetto superheroes like Bumpy Johnson mm -hmm. and, 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 and the Queen Bee and all that stuff. So there's a, there's, we're not just talking about a cultural shift and how we view this plant, but we're also talking about facilitating a massive transfer of wealth logistically cannot be quantified. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, um, and, and again, folks, interviews like this aren't enough time for you to really get into the meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. um, that You have to do this research like mm -hmm. eating an elephant one bite at a time, mm -hmm. slowly digesting, going back and learning more and more, getting more information. So I encourage you to do that on your own. And we'll make sure that there's plenty of links that are available to give you some baseline information. I do want to go back to a point that, that has been clear to me, which is also stimulating me about cannabis, mm -hmm. and that's black and brown people and women being involved in this industry. Mm -hmm. You said it's less than 1% mm -hmm. currently. Mm -hmm. There's only, uh, uh, um, you know how many cannabis uh, dispensary owners are in Colorado? One. <laughs> Even to this one. Her name's Wanda James. Mm -hmm. you, you, like that, that should tell you. What New Jersey is doing, which is, you know, we have an opportunity to do, um, will be the second state to legislatively legalize cannabis. So unlike Colorado and California and all those other states, the, the first state was Vermont, you know, but all those other states, what they did is they did it by ballot referendum. Now, the problem with that is, is that when you do ballot referendums, that's taking the entire industry and all of its problems and gelling them all together into a yes or no type of question. Based upon people who understand the importance of voting, who have registered yep. the vote, and who yep. actually vote. Yep. So do you want this or not? Yes. Now, if you say yes, now, you're out, now that's all they needed from you. You're no longer a part of the process. They get to make up the rules however they see fit which is how we got to where we are right now. Now, 
the issue that I see, particularly here in New Jersey, because this could be a very this could be a, a seriously missed opportunity, is that our state capital is 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 uh, inhabited by two types of people, more some than others, and those two types are Flintstones and Jetsons. And there are certain, and we're asking a lot of Flintstones to make rules to a Jetsons subject. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so what I mean by Jetsons, meaning it's there's certain aspects about this industry that is just too advanced for this particular body fresh out the gate. I mean, these people, there are people in our state capital who still say gateway drug. Mm-hmm. With a serious face, not realizing or, or, or just completely ignoring that that thought process was scientifically, scientifically debunked years ago. We don't even talk that way no more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when we hear someone say gateway drug, first thing we think is, ooh, what year are you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and they say it and they, they keep saying it. So there's that fear mongering, which is severely based on. Harry Aislinger's uh, gateway drug theory, you know. And, and I want to jump in there, too, because um, uh, Phil and others from the, and, and yourself included, mm-hmm. the Trenton Cannabis community, have helped me to learn even the terminology of the word marijuana and the racist background yep. of that. Yep. And, and I remember at a conference um, that was put together at Ryder University, I had mentioned that to the panel uh, the the mayor was there and several law enforcement people, and they had never even heard of this. Yeah, it's the same thing with the Redskins. Think about like with the Redskins, how like the the, the it's race it's racist, but most people didn't know. I mean, I've been saying it for years. I never heard this before. It's the same thing. It's if you look at the re, if you research the term marijuana. You'll even see how the, how the word evolved. It used to be Mahiwan. It had an H in it. Mm-hmm. And then they dropped the H. Yeah. Because they're talking about Mexicans. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they do. You know, it's, it's, if, if you don't understand, if you, like, even for us that's in this industry, right, or looking to get us in, in this industry, there's, there's, there's terminology for people like you and I who will be getting in this industry if we're partnered with somebody. They call us blokens and chips. That's how they refer to us, and that's real. They that's what they call us. Bloken, either you're a bloken or a chip. You know. And so it, because the reason being is because your you your your presence alone, like my presence alone, you know what I'm saying, can help boost an application if you're not if you if you don't know better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, see, and, and this is often a problem when I have these uh, interviews. And, folks, when I do these interviews, I am getting as much from the interview as I'm distributing mm. out. So mm. you, my mind is, is, is blowing up right now with some, <laughs> some research that I have to do. But there's a couple things I want to make sure that, that I get to in a mm-hmm. short amount of time. I want to talk about the application process here mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Mm. And um, you are part of a group. Yes, I'm on the uh – Medical Advisory Board for the uh, MPX Biocuticals. So we won the uh, one of the last of the fully vertical. Uh, we were awarded one of the last of the fully vertical licenses in New Jersey. So our cultivation site will be in Galloway, New Jersey, and our dispensary and consumption site will be in Atlantic City. 
Excellent. Now, uh, briefly, I know that this has been probably a very extensive process for you and it your is. team. It is. Can you talk about um, uh, just a, shine a little light on that, the process, and how many licenses were distributed and where are they? So there were six licenses. Um, the state of New Jersey has been divided up into three regions. And so this, these, this last six licenses, two per region were, were issued. And in New Jersey, is that north, central, and south? South, correct. Okay. And so um, <clears throat> for, for the processing of itself, you know, it was very interesting because the state of New Jersey, all right, so these licenses being distributed, these being issued out, were the culmination of the end of executive order number six, which was issued by Governor Phil Murphy, which was to expand the medical marijuana program, make points of entry into the medical marijuana program much better and easier and affordable for, uh, for patients, gets rid of the list that doctors would have to be on if they wanted to register or, or they don't have to do that, and also uh, the issuing of the licenses. Now, when Governor Murphy came into office, and remember I told you, you can say what you want when you're on a campaign mm -hmm. trail, but when you get in that chair, things become real different. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the way, you know, in this industry, everyone know, knew that Chris Christie hated marijuana. Mm -hmm. And Chris Christie hated the medical marijuana program because it was something he inherited from Governor Corzine. You know, now, he, he and when Governor Murphy opened up the books and really took a, a comprehensive look at the New Jersey medical marijuana program, it was sort of kind of like, and I felt bad for him because it was sort of kind of one of those things where he's like, whoa, it's worse than what they told us, y'all. <laughs> And it was, and you could tell. I mean, when I got in, which was a few years ago, there was only 7,000 people in, and now we're at 40. You know, they only had one ID card machine that barely worked. They did everything they could to sink it, you know. And so this, you know, issuing of the licenses, and these would be the last that will ever have that full vertical model. Now, full vertical means you have you have the you are licensed to do everything from seed to sell. So you can cultivate, you can grow, you can manufacture, you can extract, you can do all of that stuff. With we that's what we can do with that one license. Now, moving forward, that will no longer be the case. Now, more so so. More licenses will probably be issued, but they'll be more specific. Special, yeah, because okay. so now you're talking, we're going from the full vertical model to now we're going to horizontal. And each one of those points that, I, that was on that full, uh, full that vertical model, each one of those is an actual license, a separate license. So there's a retail dispensary license. There is a cultivating license. There is an extraction license. There's even micro licenses for people who want to, you know, on a smaller scale, you know, so that because the point of entry is very expensive. But if you do a micro licenses, it's not as expensive. Mm -hmm. it's, it's still it's still a six figure expensive, but it's not the, you know, 10 figure, you know, <laughs> yeah. eight, nine, 10 figure expenses like what we deal with. <laughs> um, and so it's a it's a but there's much there are many more opportunities on top of. We'll also have the highest number of set-asides for people of color and women. 
you know, 25%, you know, which is unheard of in any other state, um, and veterans too. Great. So where the law is and where the licenses are, especially since you were part of a group that mm-hmm. obtained one, you feel this is moving in a good direction? No. I, because I, I, I think that it's, it's, first of all, it's not big enough. It's not enough. You know, when you look at the examples of what happened in Nevada when they went for adult use, they were dry in, the, in, in a week or two. Look at what happened with, with Canada when they went when they went for full uh, 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 adult use um, nationwide. The entire, you know, I said this earlier, no pun intended, but Canada is dry. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so when you look at the city of Trenton, within a 200-square-mile radius, there are 27 million people. Now, Trenton is sandwiched between New York and Pennsylvania. These are states that just have medical marijuana, and one of them only allows for just oil, no flour. Mm-hmm. And we are 67 miles from the number one cannabis-consuming city in the world. New York. Okay? And we're less than 30 miles from Philadelphia, who... So when we go live for adult use, where do you think all them people? They're gonna come here. Mm-hmm. And mind you, New York, New York made number one with it being illegal. So, thinking on a micro, meso, macro level, can you imagine what the impact would be? And so, if we're smart, particularly as a city, if we're smart, we'll embrace the hell out of this industry and actually cultivate this industry here because this is one of the ways in which the city can, we can revitalize the city and get, and, and, and instead of hoping for some sort of a grant or for some sort of a program, no, how about we just bring an entire industry into this city since it's going to be birthed right there on West State Street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so where is your organization, MPX Bioceuticals, mm-hmm. where, where are you right now? Um, right now we're in, uh, we, we're, we're only, we've only had, we've been awarded the license back in December. And so <clears throat> right now due, uh, due to, uh, uh, circumstances, you know, we're kind of like in a position where we're trying to get some legal aspects, uh, taken care of before we can move forward with construction and so forth, because the city of Atlantic city says they want an experience, <laughs> We have to have the site, and we're also dealing with uh, another uh, uh, company in Atlantic City who doesn't want us there. (laughs) So I'm going to move on from that Mm -hmm. because you normally don't get tongue-tied and at a loss for words. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. that you're trying Mm to not say something. So we're we're, going to move on from there. (laughs) So so going forward, Mm -hmm. best projections the rest of 2019, what does that look like um, for the cannabis industry in New Jersey, in your opinion? In my Okay, so I think that um, people are starting to uh, wake up. I'll ask that question again. Mm-hmm. Running out of juice. You die. Oh. So with 
2019, mm-hmm. um, and, and no one's got a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. What do you foresee um, cannabis in New Jersey? What's it going to end like in 2019? Um, I think that folks will, first of all, the engagement of the uh, black community. Uh, we are noticeably, and I'm choosing my words you know, very uh, carefully here, we are noticeably and negligibly absent from the conversation. Um, I think in 2019, for the cannabis industry in particular, with people of color, our um, our identified leaders, our leaders in this industry will have been identified, and they will be time appropriate. Because that's one of the things that has kept us from getting into this industry. Because people, you know, are are going to the traditional leaders who are not versed in this at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So no disrespect to Al Sharpton or Oprah Winfrey or Michael Jordan or Jay-Z, but they are not that here in this industry. Now, they money is, and that's what I need. I need your money. I don't need you. I just need your money. And so I do think that in 2019 that that ability to rally under one flag, under a particular standard, is what is going to uh, actually happen. You know, there are more people uh, who look like us will start to come to the forefront, you know, and be looked upon as the go-to people. I think that's where, and that's what part of the problem is in the, in, in the state now with this, is that you're going to the wrong people. You know, like, it's like the blind leading blind. You know, if this was a television show. You and I are in season eight, episode two. They're in season one, episode six. Mm-hmm. Spoiler mm-hmm. alerts, not a gateway drug. That's the season finale yeah, yeah. for season one. You know, and gotcha. that's what, you know, th- these are the ways that, and, and then also, this is an election year. We're going, we're getting ready to go into an election year, you know, so... <clears throat> If done right, in particular, if it, if done right with the New Jersey Medical Marijuana Program, if done right, that isn't that can be an entirely new voting block. Mm. I just told you we got forty thousand people enrolled in the New Jersey Medical Marijuana Program. That's forty thousand people, you know, who historically may or in this state don't vote. Interesting. You need to come talk to us. I want to stop you there because mm-hmm. I do want to try to stay on time. But there's three quick people or groups of people I'd like mm-hmm. for you to address when we finish mm-hmm. up. Um, the general public mm-hmm. about cannabis. Brief sentence or statement. What would you like to say to them? Number one hardest group of people to talk to, black church people. Number two hardest group of people to talk to, black people. Number three hardest group of people to talk to, Latino brothers and sisters. Number one, because most people don't realize the black church is more conservative than what you would see on Fox News. Brand new news to me, too. Number two, black people are largely suffering over PTSD, over the illegality of this plant. You know, if you think about the illegality, it's killed people and it's broken up homes. Our Latino brothers and sisters, they're coming from states, from countries where this is legal medically, so the education is not the problem. The problem for them is ice. They got bigger problems than cannabis to think about. And so they're not going to rock the boat any more than what they already got to deal with. So I understand, which is my responsibility to keep up this fight for them. Mm. But it is what it is. <laughs> All right, great, great. Um, veterans. <clears throat> the reason why this country will come back. 
because we are we we like I told you we only know success one way. We know how to obtain success one way, and that is together. And because we come from an environment that fostered that type of success, it also gave us something that we all still have and possess, which is a work ethic. And we also offer you a much better return on investment than 22 veteran suicides a day, since you pay for all this taxpaying citizen. And for the beginner who wants to get involved in this industry, um, either financially or because they feel they have a physical, mental need for this. Mm, the can of curious. Mm. Yeah. So uh, for the can of curious, number one, education. Number two, education. Number three, education. And then if you're if you want to take it beyond that, hopefully all of that education will lead you to plug into the correct networks. You need to know who to go talk to because you need to also understand what words do we use when we're around each other? What do we say? Because this is a lifestyle for us, mm -hmm. you know, so you not only have to get educated on what this is, but you need to be educated on the different forms in which you can consume cannabis. Uh, proper dosing you know um you need to learn that it is not for us it is not how high can i get it's what high can i get so a lot of times we're looking to address a specific uh need if you go talk to your your casual cannabis consumer and ask them the who the why the when and the where if you actually listen to them about their consumption they sound like patients. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people out there who are self-medicating, but because they are not properly educated, they don't even know that you may not need three blunts in the, in the, in the week, in a day. You might just need you a couple of shots of 500 milligrams of CBD. You have to, it's like the one thing I will give the West Coast is they're like, like what we need here on the East Coast is we need a lesson in what good weed is. We don't know what that is. You know, matter of fact, we don't even say, like, we don't even use the proper terminology in terms of strain names and sativa or indica. We just say fire. Mm -hmm. We got that gas. You know? <laughs> you don't know what it Burn is. Burn it yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? But you don't, I got that dro. You know? Mm -hmm. You're like, what is that? You know? So our basic, uh, our, 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 our formal education on this plant is grossly below basic, which is why we're being left behind because internationally, oh, we're done? Okay. Should we close out or are we good? Well, Leo, thanks very much, man. I appreciate you. Can't wait to see what's going to happen going forward with cannabis yeah, in the state of New Jersey. Jacques Howard for Fully Baked Radio, coming to you live from Mercer County Community College in Trenton, New Jersey.